Happy birthday, Stephen. Thanks very much, Erica. It is my birthday, as we stated in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, we we watched episode two of The Crotons. We did. I got sleepy during it, which is not a direct reflection <laughs> of the quality of the episode in question. But it could be. No, I I actually quite enjoy the story. Um, I I just it just feels like good old basic normal kind of like uh, you know standard Doctor Who that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like episode two doesn't have didn't have the same sorts of trip ups in terms of the flow that mm. episode one did. Yeah, I thought so too. In I think I hinted at this in an earlier episode, not last episode, but an earlier episode about how. The, there was a Doctor Who PBS special called, I think, Doctor Who, Who's Doctor Who, or Who's something, some pun on Who, aired in, I think, uh, um, mid to early 87. It was after Patrick Jordan had died. And they showed interviews with various, I think they had an interview with Sebastian McCoy, I think, and one with Patrick Troughton just before he died, I think. And they showed a clip from a Doctor Who episode of Troughton's, and... That clip was the first time I'd ever seen Patrick Troughton in anything mm. for Doctor Who. And the clip was in this. It was from the Great Jumping Gobstoppers, mm-hmm. what's that, line up until he starts taking the test on the um, the learning machine. So so watching that scene again um, made me think back to the time when I sort of like saw this other doctor that I had no idea existed in black and white, no less, and thought, what? This show has been going forever. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I like I like the uh, the machine learning sort of stuff. I love that uh, they leave Jamie behind, and Jamie's like, you know, watch him. You you know how he is, or whatever. Right. And, and so he's like, oh, don't worry, I won't let him do anything rash. And then she's the one that does something rash. Yeah, because they leave her there. Just hey, just just stay up here. We're gonna go explore the basement. Mm-hmm. And Zoe just wanders around, thinking, ooh, a computer terminal mm-hmm. with the learning stuff on there. I like quizzes. Let's check it out. You would do that. Uh, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do that if I had seen somebody get murdered and then also seen somebody else get, you know, their brain practically wiped Mm -hmm. um, by the creatures slash people that we already know are giving these tests and running these learning machines. I feel like that was a little impetuous of, of Zoe there. Yeah. Well, like I said last week, she's she's mm-hmm. learning how to be rebellious now yep. in this in this uh, anarchic TARDIS time team travel that she's on. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it was nice, you know. It's it. I like that the Doctor then is like, well, she's not going in alone. I think in part he just he really wants to find out what's going on anyway. So he jumps in and takes the test and start you know starts to fail at the beginning. I wonder if he did that on purpose to make Zoe feel feel good or if he was just slightly off his game because he was slightly nervous i think he was more nervous because there's a couple times with great lines by the way from robert holmes where he you know um you know joey uh, zoe is a genius and it can be very irritating at times and then uh, as he's as the doctor's sort of fumbling around and selver says oh perhaps this is one of the most advanced machines perhaps he'd be more comfortable on a lesser machine and zoe says oh no the doctor's almost as clever as i am i love that line that's one of my favorite zoe lines of all time yeah because she's smug and probably a little bit correct. Just doesn't have yep. the uh, streetwise smarts that the doctor has. Yeah, definitely not. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's she's very book learning and logic oriented, and uh, works works well that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what else happened this episode? We didn't see Philip Maddock. We didn't see... We saw poor... Um, anytime a an unspeaking extra shows up on a f- on film, a film sequence starts with them, you realize, oh, there's going to be a complicated effect sequence that ends with this poor character's okay. death. And sure enough, that's what happened when he was trying to sneak up on the tentacle there and he got vaporized and everyone felt, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, they. Uh, interesting that they, the computer or whatever, the, the Croton's little light, it looked like Gypsy from Mystery Science Theater 3000 a little bit, mm-hmm. um, that they recognized the doctor as some sort of a leader just based on you know, him talking everybody down in the first place. And then they use the pattern recognition and the doctor figures it out. That's a clever little, little bit of business. Mm, of doctory, clever, figuring out stuff. Yep. I thought it was kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Zoe picks up on it right away. Oh, pattern recognition. And goes, yes. And the pattern is my mm. face. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the, well, like is a strong word, but you know, the, the way of sort of keeping Jamie in his place and not insulting his intelligence by, you know, knowing that the Croton's learning machines are not for someone like Jamie. Jamie is from the 18th century, so he doesn't have a lot of book learning and stuff like that, and so wouldn't do well on those tests. And so a doctor realizes that, realizes that he and Zoe could probably um, handle those, but knows that Jamie can't. And so gives Jamie a very important <laughs> job to do. I want you, not, not anyone else, but you to give uh, Vonda these three pills when she wakes up. And so Jamie sort of says, oh, well, okay, I'll do that then if that's what you want me to do. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think, okay, so was the doctor planning on having him and Zoe hop on those machines in the first place anyway? So, you know, was Zoe really all that impetuous or was that, were they just going to do that anyway? I wondered if... If perhaps the doctor had wanted Zoe to do it eventually, but wanted to be there and be in control of the situation as opposed to Zoe running off like a common teenager. (laughs) That makes sense. Well, she is a teenager. She's just not a common one. No. Is she a teenager or is she like in early 20s? I don't, they never really stated her age, did they? I guess I'm not entirely sure. I just assumed she was a kid, but maybe not. Um... Yeah, and then poor Jamie at the end tries to bust into the Croton's room and mm-hmm. thinks he's done it, yeah. even though they they just assume that he's another high brain. Um, and then poor Jamie's not. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it looks like, so the, I, work with me on this one, because so the doctor and Zoe go in, mm-hmm. they sit and get like befuddled with the disorientation machine there with the fisheye lens and everything and there's the tanks which are empty but it looks like their mental power has actually caused the crotons to come out of this tank and come into being yeah to materialize i think they had enough mental you know, power that was turned into energy by the crotons machine Mm -hmm. to actually like activate um the the crotons so i mean i guess it looks like this whole thing's been kind of on autopilot for a while and it's just been bringing in guns for thousands of years and um maybe there weren't enough guns to turn this crystalline slurry into actual crotons until the doctor and zoe who are both very high high brains Mm -hmm. were able to make that happen Mm -hmm. i think you're probably right and it's weird how I never really thought about how the story has gone before until this podcast, which makes me pay attention and 
to it more than just sort of like watching it in the background a little bit. And now that I have to answer questions about it, I feel like, yeah, you're keeping me on my toes. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm learning things about Doctor Who. Um, anything else about uh, the Cotons Part 2? Uh, oh, well, we did have uh, Vana uh, waking up. So, like, she's somewhat coherent now. She can speak and mm-hmm. she recognizes her, her boyfriend and is talking about, you know, the, the light above burning her mind. And then we get to see it in action. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That's true. Apart from that, though, I found that the, the cast of characters was kind of scaled down for this one. Mm-hmm. It was very much a doctor-centric type of thing you yeah. know which is make, makes a change from things like the invasion where it's like a lot of yeah. the brigadier sort of driving things like this one is very much driven by the doctor which is kind of nice actually yeah especially after a big wide-ranging story like the invasion it's nice to have something that's a, a little more you know enclosed and, and intimate and <clears throat> probably for the budget too that's true mm-hmm. all right well uh we'll, we'll carry on might need a nap just because a lot of pizza and cake over the the past couple of days because of birthday time. And so I might need to have a little lie down and, and rest up for the final two episodes of the Crotons. Here, here. Here, here. Okay. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.